Today on CityCast Philly, the Philadelphia School District is getting $5 million to clean up the drinking water at its 200-plus schools. But it's been a journey to get here. And advocates like my guest today say there's still a lot more to be done. It's Thursday, November 17th, 2022. I'm Trinae and this is CityCast Philly. Councilmember Helen Gim, you're a former public school teacher and community organizer, and you've been advocating for water quality in schools since you were elected in 2016. Why was that an issue that you felt you needed to take action on? There was no question that water quality in the 21st century is still a critical issue here in our city and around the globe. When I came in 2016, we had just been going through the whole Flint water crisis. Um, You know, what I made a commitment to when I came into city government as one of our first acts was to make sure that we took a look at water quality. Um, here in our own city. We were not going to replicate what had happened in Flint, but that doesn't mean that you just say it's not going to happen. You actually have to be proactive in making sure it doesn't. We held town halls with uh, students and young people. We drove our first legislative campaign um, in part with alongside middle schoolers who wanted clean water available in their schools. It may seem impossible for your listeners to imagine, that clean water is not a guarantee in schools, but that was the case. If you walked into almost any public school, you would see red signs with X's marked through them, don't drink the water, many water fountains shut off, uh, many complaints from children about warm, gurgling, brownish, brackish liquid instead of like a clear water stream that was coming through. So we knew that this was an action that couldn't wait. We worked with the school district to install the first modern uh, filtered hydration systems in schools. It was a hit. And it ended up being the start of a real school modernization campaign that we're still continuing on. Okay, so fast forward now, uh, last month, it was announced that Philly schools are getting a $5 million grant to ensure that you know, again, that they have clean drinking water. What is this money going towards? The funds were made possible by a $5 million grant from the Environmental Protection Agency, and they will go towards the purchase and installation of over 750 new filtered water hydration stations. Um, They'll also include filters for kitchen sinks. Um, They'll help with water sampling and testing and the training that's required to promote water safety. You know, we wanted to set a timeline for ensuring that these stations would go in for every child and every student to be fully completed across the school district of Philadelphia by June of 2025. Our hope is is that this grant helps us not only meet that goal, but potentially, you know, complete it even sooner so we can get on to bigger things. And why was water such an issue in public schools and not a citywide issue? It is a citywide issue. You know, to be clear, we are a historic city in the nation. 
And, you know, we still have antiquated systems, including lead pipes. We have deferred maintenance um, in our in our city. Now, not surprisingly, our school buildings today are an average over 70 years old, almost two decades older than the national average. Um, we are a city and a school system that is desperately underfunded by the state of Pennsylvania. We are actually going through a constitutional court case on the on the uh, unconstitutional underfunding of school right. districts like Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's no question that we are so far behind on school modernization, and it's one of the reasons why it's been a pre- top priority for us. So, Council Member, can you talk to me a little bit about the work you've been doing over the years to try and get cleaner water for schools in Philly? I mean, one of the first things that we did try to mandate as well was mandatory testing in schools of of water fountains. Um, We were deeply disturbed that you could have, you know, people would just shut off water fountains when they seemed to be problematic, but we weren't actually testing. What we ended up doing was requiring that the school district test for lead presence in water. We also extended it to daycare centers as well and to other other areas where we felt that others really needed to take accountability for safe drinking water, um, especially if young people could be exposed to it. Is there a law that requires the school district to test water yes. Um, yes. outlets? Okay, every so that every was, five years? Okay. Yes, every five years. And at the time, we instituted a 10 parts per billion, which in 2016 or 2017 was the lowest figure in the country. But the reality is, is that we know that the only appropriate amount of lead exposure to any child, especially one in their growing years, is zero. So that's why we move towards the water filtration stations, because they have a proven undetectable lead exposure in them. They're less than one part per billion, which is effectively nothing. And so the new law, which has been updated this year, requires that all uh fountains that are used or any kind of water fountain that's used must now be converted to a filtration station. And if they convert that over, then we can get rid of the lead testing because we're sure that the lead uh, exposure is at zero. Hmm. So what's the current situation like in schools? Well, right now, the schools are only allowed to use the filtration stations. So that is the most important thing. So we, we are, again, this is a big and broad issue and the hydration stations and the focus on water and cleanliness and health and standards was only the start. We clearly need to extend this well beyond drinking fountains and other things. And I, I don't even want it to be limited to water. You know, we have uh, schools uh, with that are that that have lead asbestos and mold in them now. If you manage those things, it's okay. You can live with those in relative safety. But the but the issue is you have to manage those schools. Those schools have to be the ones in the most tip-top shape. They can't have flaking paint. They can't have leaking roofs. They can't have a whole set of things that can then trigger other kinds of toxins. So this work is very serious. It's one of the reasons why a school modernization campaign is a huge effort and it's something that I think everybody, the federal government to our to our state legislature, uh, to our city should be incredibly excited about. Right. And there was a recent study done that found, I think it was around 65 schools that had some level of lead in the water. 
But the district pushed back on that study and said that's not an accurate representation of the water quality. Council member, how do you bring awareness to this issue? I mean, the, the first and foremost, we focus it in on young people themselves. I mean, you know, I don't think that the young people in schools were necessarily saying we tested the water, we talked about, you know, parts per billion, et cetera, et cetera. Mostly what they said was we don't even have access to water. The water that we do have access to is strange looking. We don't feel comfortable drinking it. There's lots of different signs. I mean, I think what we have gotten away from is what it's like to be five years old or 15 years old right now. You know, adults are making a lot of decisions about these things, and we need to pay attention to what they're saying, how they're experiencing it, um, and making sure that we're modernizing it, not only because, you know, we're trying to meet the most minimal standards of public safety and building quality, but also because we're trying to create environments that are joyful, that are comfortable, that are even more invested in than they may have at home and probably more so. Um, So, you know, I, I really try to spend a lot of time focusing our attention on the experiences of young people and, you know, what they get out of schools. And I think once we do that, we'll start to focus our attention on the things that really make a difference. There are a lot of changes that still need to happen to, you know, get our schools in better shape. What would you like to see happen next? You know, I want both our city, our state, and our federal government to recognize that a modern public school that is delivering for its students is something that will also deliver for cities and states and and for this nation. Um, I can't tell you how much it's meant when we tell children and families that we're bringing air conditioning to dozens of schools, which was something that we tried to do over the last two years. Um, How much it's meant um, to deliver, you know, uh, a real school modernization campaign um, in a city where, you know, if we talk so much about education, but we have children going to schools where classrooms can reach 95 degrees, we can't open schools in the summertime for summer programs because they're too hot. Um, We start schools later than other school systems. Um, We're always in an erratic state of opening and closing schools. I think two years ago in 2020, um, I was at I was at a school in West Philadelphia, and it was the 12th school that we had had to close in two years because of lead, asbestos, and mold um, that had overwhelmed the school and made it unfit. These things are not just about um, a school system, a school district, or children who go to that to that particular school. I hope that it is something that is more than just seen as a cost, but is actually an investment into the future. Um, Strong schools can anchor families, they anchor communities, they revitalize our city um, through our neighborhoods and through the people of our city. Council member Helen Gim, thank you so much for being on CityCast Philly. Thank you. And here's what else Philly's talking about. The city can now hire civilian public safety officers to focus on things like traffic tickets. And this is in an effort to free up police officers. According to WHYY, this allows police officers to put their focus towards major crimes and violence issues in the city. 
Council President Daryl Clark says he expects the first round of about 30 public safety officers to hit the streets by early 2023. Sanctuary Village, a local nonprofit, plans to build 12 tiny homes for people experiencing homelessness and temporary transitional housing for women ages 55 and up by 2023. According to Axios, this community will consist of individual tiny homes measuring 12 by 8 feet built on city-owned land in the Holmesburg neighborhood. That's in the Northeast. There's also another community of tiny homes in a development in the Mill Creek neighborhood, which is West Philly. According to Mosaic Development Partners, a Black-owned firm, their project is providing permanent housing for about 26 people experiencing homelessness. And finally, all champions deserve to be celebrated on a float during a parade, right? Well, according to Philly Voice, Mount Airy native and Jeopardy contestant Ryan Long, who went on a 16-game winning streak, will get the opportunity to ride in his own float during 6ABC's annual Duncan Thanksgiving Parade. And guess what? He'll be joined by his nine-year-old son, Nathan. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Subscribe to our podcast. Share today's episode with a friend. Rate the show. Leave us a review. And subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.